So the last few weeks, um, I've been talking about how to be present for all the stuff that's going on in our world, um, how to use the practice to be present for our emotions, to, to greet each moment. Um, it's, really, it's really challenging, challenging and I want to acknowledge that, that you know, the, the, the tragedy in the Middle East is still unfolding, uh, along with all the other tragedies we have going on in this world, uh, the war in Ukraine and Ethiopia, Sudan, Yemen, on and on and on, uh, along with the, the tragedies of the, the mass shootings we have in our own country or in the U.S. And so just to, just to acknowledge that um, and uh, whatever we have we go, going on in our personal lives, because uh, we each have our challenges there as well and our joys. So I just wanted to name that um, and uh, actually talk about something a little bit different tonight. Although practice, all practice helps us be present for this moment. It's, it's all the teachings. You know, the Buddha taught, um, he said he taught one thing, that the nature of dukkha and the uh, freedom from dukkha, the nature of suffering and the freedom from suffering. And so all these te teachings, all these practices help us move in a direction that we're not bogged down in in particular ways of being or particular ways of thinking. Um, we're not bogged down in reactivity. And what I want to talk about tonight is this story that is quite, it's quite, I don't know if it's famous, but it's fairly common and fairly well known. And I hadn't thought about it in a long time, but it just popped into my head. I think I saw a note about it recently. And it's the story of, um, of the the good wolf and the bad wolf. I'm sure many of you are familiar with that, um, or not. And it's it's often attributed to indigenous people as an indigenous story, but really when the researchers have looked into it, there's no real etymology for it. It's just one of those things that bubbled up because there are multiple versions of it around. And so I thought it would be really helpful because it is, although it's not a Buddhist story, it actually points to what we experience with our, our congealed ways of thinking and being, our fixed views. And so just, just quickly, um, the story is that this grandfather uh, was talking to his grandson about life, and he said to his grandson, a fight is going on inside of me. Um, it's a terrible fight between two wolves. One is the evil wolf. He is anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies. Basically, um, if you want to put it as, in Buddhist terms, the, um, the defilements, greed, hatred, delusion, they're all, that's what, that's what this one wolf represents. And then the other wolf is uh, the good wolfies, joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, which is, when you really look at it, the factors, the qualities of awakening. The, the, they are, a lot of those are the factors, seven, part of the seven factors of awakening. And so there's this, the hindrances versus the factors of awakening, this, this thing that's going on between these two sides in our head all the time. And um, so the grandson said, gee, 
um, that's that's a lot of stuff. So which one's going to win that battle? And the grandfather said, the one you feed, which makes a lot of sense. You know, which one do you pay attention to? It's that um, that universal theme. What are we paying attention to? What do we what do we lift up? What do we what story are we telling over and over and over again? You know, it doesn't it it oftentimes it's it can be big stories that we have about how we view the world, how we view ourselves, um, you know, um, what stories are stuck in our minds, what conditioning we have about how we're unlovable or we're ugly or we're stupid or we're not good enough, we're on the outside looking in, those types of things, that can be the evil, the not good wolf. Um, but it can also be really mundane stuff. And this is something I think really can is important to point out because we we can sometimes focus on the big pieces of our suffering our discomfort our dukkha you know those those really deep deep hurts that we have but there's also the the more as i said mundane stuff that we've ingested through our lives these things that we've been told these things that we hear um, these themes that just come up over and over again. And we believe them because they're not like red flag, red flag, red flag. This is like really not healthy, but they're just like those little things, you know, nibbling away in the back of your mind. And I'll give a, I'll give a, an example um, that I experienced many, many years ago. And um I've told this story before, so forgive me if you've heard it before, but I was, I was in the 90s. It was like the early 90s. I remember I was walking through the supermarket, and I wanted to get some corn on the cob, and I was in the produce section, and I was looking at the fresh corn on the cob, and I said, you know, I really want some, I love corn. I love corn. And I said, I really, and I love corn on the cob. I want some corn on the cob, but... I don't know when I'm going to be able to make it. So if I buy it, I might not cook it soon enough. So I rolled my cart over to the frozen aisle and I was standing in front of the frozen corn on the cob. And then the voice in my head says, you know, you're morally a better person if you buy fresh vegetables. So I rolled my cart back over to the produce aisle and I stood there and I looked at the corn and I, and then I said, yeah, but I don't want to buy fresh stuff and then throw it away because I don't use it before it goes bad. And I rolled my cart back over to the frozen aisle. And this was going on. This is that battle that I had in my head, which is such a mundane argument. But luckily I had, I don't know where it came from, but I paused. I had the wherewithal to pause and ask the question, who made that rule that you're morally a better person if you eat fresh vegetables? And I think the only answer I could come up with was Mary. And I went, okay, then it's probably not a very good rule because I just, I was experiencing a lot of dukkha over that. And it's really funny. It's a really funny story, but we get stuck in those stories, which in hindsight, thankfully, I'm not stuck there anymore. I can recognize that voice that says, you know, if you did this instead of that, then. There's a lot of if-then 
in these voices that we have, in these beliefs that we have, in these these fixed views that the Buddha talked about so often. We we suffer so much from that. It was painful going back and forth, going back and forth. As I said, it seems really silly, but that's dukkha. This idea that something should be a certain way and we're better if we, we um, do a particular thing. And then once, once that, um, that dam broke, I started seeing all these other things, these rigid beliefs that I had. I, I talk about how I used to have a pea brain. My brain was this big, and, and my, my worldview was inside that, and I couldn't see anything outside that pea. And I started seeing all these things that I was that I had this developed this rigid way of being because if I follow all these rules, then I'll be safe, then I'll be happy, then I'll be okay. And boy, I want to be a morally good person. Obviously, I want to be a morally good person, but I don't think being a morally good person has anything to do with what kind of vegetables you buy in the store. And then I thought there was a. Another one I became aware of at that time was, I didn't think you were allowed to use sweetener in your tea in a Chinese restaurant. Don't ask me where that came from. But I would, even though they had it on the table, I would get my tea and then they'd have, I'd, I'd, take, I'd wait till there was no one around and I'd, I'd rip open my little thing of sweetener and put it in the tea and then hide the packet behind the, behind the soy sauce. And I was so, I just didn't want anybody to judge me. I thought I'd be judged for doing that. And Lord, I don't know where any of this stuff came from, but it's really painful. And so what we have to really begin to look at, and this is where practice is so helpful. You, I, I say it all the time, start where you are. Where's the dukkha? Where's the discomfort with what is? You know, it means stopping and pausing. And really, I've been talking about a lot beginner's mind. Ask the question, what is this? What is this? What is this discomfort? What is this story? What is this theme, this particular idea? And, and sometimes the more mundane they are, the more intractable they are because we just go, oh, that's no big deal. That's, that we, get, we can become dismissive. And so when we continue to either have these arguments inside our head, I you often think about the, um, you know, the good wolf and the bad wolf. Well, it's, if you look at, remember those old cartoons, there's the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other shoulder, and they're like having fistfights or things like that. That's, you ever have a head like that? Should, 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 don't, don't. Shouldn't, 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 shouldn't. And so... That discomfort that we have between the battle of these, these, these warring internal things are where we stop and say, wait a minute, and investigate, and be willing, be willing to say, maybe this is, maybe I don't have the answer, maybe I don't know, don't know mind. 
And sometimes we can see where these things were, um, where we got these ideas. We, you know, we're, we see people who we, we think highly of. We think, oh, wow, they're really cool, and they like that kind of music, and they like those kind of records or that kind of art, and they read those kind of books, or they do those kinds of things, and they wear those kind of clothes. Therefore, if I want to be like them, I need to do all those things. And sometimes it makes no sense for us. It doesn't suit who we are. I can't like somebody's music. That if I, What if I don't like it? Does that mean I'm not cool? I did a Dharma talk years ago on there's no such thing as cool. It's just made up. It's just made up, but we get trapped into these things, these ideas. And what gets fed, and if we keep feeding these stories, they're going to grow. They're going to get stronger. And we have to be willing to let go of our most cherished stories. And not cherished because they're so wonderful, but cherished because we hold on to them. And they've been there forever. They're like, what would, what would life be if we didn't have these little mundane ideas of how to make it through life? Or if we did a particular thing, it would be better. You know, and um, I, like, um, I like Rick Hansen who, if you know, he's, he's a neuroscientist, and he wrote Buddha's Brain. And I want to read a piece out of it. And I had the book here a minute ago. There it is. And I want to read a little piece that he kind of wrote about this. Um, he said, He's talking about neuroplasticity, and he said neurons that are particularly active become even more responsive to input. So neurons that neurons that we feed, that we repeat this story over and over again, they're going to be, they're they're just going to be more receptive to you know that that um, that bias that kind of uh, agrees with what we're thinking. And busy neural networks received increased blood flow, which supplies them with more glucose and oxygen, so they get stronger. And the inverse, or the opposite is true. Inactive synapses wither away through neuronal pruning, a kind of survival of the busiest. Use it or lose it. This is interesting. A toddler has about three times as many synapses as, the, as an adult. On the way to adulthood, adolescents can lose up to 10,000 synapses per second because they're focusing and they're, they're settling in. You know, the world is not just huge. You begin to create stories or, or groove pathways. Habits develop. And they're not always wise. We're conditioned by a lot of things. We're conditioned by fear. We're conditioned by pain. We're conditioned by joy. We're conditioned by happiness. You know, Pavlov's dogs. The bell rings and they get fed. They start drooling. And so we're conditioned without thinking about it. And then he said, because of all the ways your brain changes its structure, your experience matters beyond its momentary subjective impact. It makes enduring changes in the physical tissues of your brain, which affect your well-being, functioning, and relationships. Based on science, this is a fundamental reason for being kind to yourself, cultivating wholesome experiences and taking them in. So letting go of the dukkha, 
letting go of those things that we, that we fabricate that cause us discomfort. There's the reality of the world. There's the pain and the suffering that exists. You know, the Buddha said in the first noble truth, there is loss, there is birth, there is death, there is there's all those things. There is the human condition. But then we create all these other things on top of it, like the need to buy fresh vegetables. As an aside, I've had people send me articles saying how frozen vegetables are actually better than fresh because whatever, they lose their, their vitamins in transit or whatever, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, even that idea may not necessarily be true. So what we want to do is really let go of that stuff that, that causes this, this sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, all those things that the bad wolf is, is representing, and instead cultivate the kindness, the compassion, the generosity, the joy, the peace, the love. It's not, and you see, we're not dependent on the outside stuff. It's how we respond, and we wrench ourselves away from those bad wolves, those stories that are um, that take up so much room. Um, I was talking about this the other night, and and um, someone mentioned that it was like parts work. And I guess there's a therapy that's called parts work, which I'm not real. I've heard of it, but I didn't wasn't familiar with it really what it meant. And I looked it up, and it's basically competing agendas that we want one thing but we do another, and so you know we we have to really begin to release that stuff that's uncomfortable you know release those things that take us in not that take us in the direction we don't want to go in like I don't I don't suffer anymore when I go to the supermarket and I did for years the judging voices the judging voices um and so this is this this effort to let go of what doesn't serve and cultivate that those good experiences that Rick talks about is, you know the it's a fun it's, there's a fundamental reason for being kind for cultivating wholesome experiences and taking them in that's the efforts that's right effort that's recognizing when you're caught up in this dukkha being willing to release that age-old story that's so cherished because it's so familiar, those well-worn habits of thinking. Be willing to release them and cultivate the more wholesome ones. It doesn't matter what vegetables you buy. It doesn't matter. And, and this is where the, the other teachings of the Buddha come in, which I talk about all the time, the Eightfold Path, how to be in community how to be in harmony with others that's where you want to land that's what you want to be your your guide as you move through the world the eightfold path four noble truths the really basic things cultivating you know the recognizing the hindrances that get in your way and cultivate the factors of awakening you know mindfulness and effort and willingness investigation curiosity what is this the joy, the equanimity, the equanimity that allows you to be present for whatever's going on, you know? 
And so that's the, how you do it is really following the teachings. The basic practice is mindfulness, paying attention, being present, the breath and body awareness, that body awareness, because so often your body is telling you something before you recognize it intellectually or consciously. There's a knot in your belly. What's that? Pay attention. It's pleasant. It's unpleasant. Oh, recognize this is unpleasant. Okay. Let go of the reactivity. Oh, there's an emotion here. There's, there's sadness. There's joy. Okay, hi. Make space for everything that shows up. So that is how you sit with it. Let and cultivate moving cultivate the the mindfulness, the generosity and let go of the aversion and the clinging. You know, move toward away from dukkha, not towards dukkha. Move towards liberation, not away from liberation. And we all find our own way with it. It would popped it just the word that popped into my head was a hipasiko, which is, you know, find your own way. The Buddha laid out the teachings, but we all are conditioned differently. We all have different stories. So we all have to investigate our own path away from suffering, away from dukkha, away from discomfort, away from dis 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 ease, so to speak, and towards freedom, towards liberation. So um, I invite you to pause sometimes and recognize whether there is that battle going on and really take a step back and see if you're stuck in a particular pattern of thinking uh, these things have to be a certain way and then asking, is that true? Is it necessary? Is it, is it, is, or is it just kind of old thinking? You know, the, the old pattern of belief that, you know, lost its relevance to your life 20, 30 years ago. But we're still carrying that stuff because we've never investigated it because it's not a high-level dukkha. It's this low-level dukkha. And so I invite you to uh, investigate you, the more mundane corners of your psyche and see, what, see, what's, uh, see what's causing trouble and uh, see what's going to... Um, take you towards freedom. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much, my friends, for your very generous and kind attention. And I hope this has been of some benefit. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.